Hey guys, welcome back to the Krause House podcast. I don't even know what episode we're on. I already, I already forgot. Oh, this is 10. I was going to say, okay, I get a pass anywhere after double digits. But that episode 10, I'd like to start this episode off strong and give a congratulations to my co-host, Commodore, for for getting a ring. That must feel so fantastic. Oh, it's wild, dude. Bucks and six, they pulled it off. An incredible performance. I'm not too manly to admit that a tear or two did roll down my face at certain points as I watched Giannis say things and win things. What an incredible experience as a fan. Yeah, I think our guy KB, if I'm not mistaken, he was like, it's the year of the meme, so why not? Why not Bucks and Six? It's just ser- serendipitous and, and, and ironic at the same time. Yeah, it must feel great. I think first time since 1970, what? 71 it was 50 50 years whatever i don't know the exact like 71 or 72 how they define a 50th season but yeah 50 years yeah okay so that means that that means if if that works then that means that the washington wizards are due within the next five years so if it it doesn't (laughs) happen i'm blaming you man i would love to see that as well i love that the suns and or milwaukee were in the finals together we've Mm -hmm. talked about that on podcast before but the bucks yes kevin durant's shoe a little bit shorter but man, they, they're a great team. They've been in contention the last three years. They've under, obviously underperformed each year. It's amazing to see Giannis put up 50 points, shoot 17 of 19 from the free throw line, dude. That's the part that I think is, obviously a lot of people are talking about it, but that to me, to go from being, hearing the crowd chant up to 12, 15 seconds, and then him shoot 17 of 19 in game six as he drops 50 points, what an iconic NBA Finals experience, and I'm just I'm thrilled as a fan. And I text my buddies who are in the same All Bucks fans and group thread who've been we've been texting together for I don't know ten years going through this, and we just randomly will text each other, you know, like days after, and just be like, guys, the Bucks fucking won, and we just it's hard to believe. That's yeah, that's so wild. Yeah, it's uh, scary to think about what kind of numbers Giannis would put up if he made his free throws. That's oh. that's for sure. You take Giannis's it's numbers, like a casual and, fifty. Yeah, yeah, he shoots. He was shooting roughly fifty percent. He was up in the lower seventies at one point in the season. But if you could get him in the mid eighties, which is I don't think it's crazy to get him into the mid eighties. You're talking about like five, six, seven points extra a game. And now you're talking about mm-hmm. one of the best offenses on a per possession basis this last season, the last couple seasons, adding five points. Like they're like at 120 or something like that. Putting up to 125 is insane. And his numbers would go from like the low 30s to the mid 30s. Let's get controversial for a second. What are your thoughts on, I think it was Steven Jackson who was like, who didn't appreciate Giannis subliminally coming out other players for joining teams? because he was making an argument that Bucks themselves are a super team. Yeah, they're not a super team. I wouldn't call them a super team, but they're certainly not right. a, like I would put the Suns as an example of a team that kind of more naturally came together, drafting Booker and Aiton and signing an old Chris Paul. I feel like that team is a more natural, non-super team. Brooke Lopez is the all-time leading scorer of the Nets. He's a, He's been an all-star several times. <laughs> Drew Holiday is an incredible player. He's probably under-accoladed, but he's probably one of those players that's in the top of the league. Chris Milliden. Chris Middleton's obviously somewhere in there as well. And those four 
are a very strong four on paper. But I just think we've the eye test has just shown Chris Middleton not show up at big games. Uh, Drew Holiday's disappeared. Brooke Lopez disappeared. So it doesn't feel like a super team. But I still think, though, regardless of what Steven Jackson or whoever was saying this comment, they're, they're missing the broader point. Like Middleton and Giannis were homegrown. And Brooke Lopez came on a contract to prove himself and the Bucs completely reinvented their offense and defense to facilitate his transformation, which was a huge investment when basically no one really wanted Brooke Lopez anymore after that terrible year in Los Angeles. So their culture and their team really cultivated three of those players to levels that are really incredible. And the Drew Holiday trade, obviously, like you're going to have one player too. It's just nothing like KD going to Brooklyn and, and um, manipulating and influencing your way to these super teams. So I just think this, it doesn't pass the sniff test that this is not a super team. But I, I understand his point. Yeah, I agree. And the, the the very simple beef I have with the comment was, listen, you're talking about the most athletic people in the entire world, the most competitively obviously in the entire world you need a good team to win the championship and so right. there's, there's going to be good players but i think when people think of the term uh, super team they think about kd going to golden state and joining clay and steph and you don't think about homegrown players in milwaukee like Giannis and chris milton and then putting together the pieces in place to actually facilitate like you said that championship i think it's i think it's very different so yeah i don't know yeah. if i agree with what he said but speaking one of one okay. last little piece, sorry to kill your transition, is that the original super team, at least in our lives, was the Miami Heatles. And when we said super team, like we meant three potential Hall of Famers and two certainly Hall of Famers, literally like all negotiating and figuring out their way to get to that same team at the same time to take pay cuts to play mm -hmm. together and then to have a ceremony saying they're going to win six, seven, eight championships. That's the definition of the super team. They define that as being the, the bar. And that's the level when we say super team that we're talking about. I don't think most people consider that Boston Celtics team of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, really even being a super team. You can make an argument. They're one of the first kind of early ones, but I don't think if the Celtics aren't in there, the Bucks sure as hell aren't in there. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday, Team USA Woo. not coming to play. Sheesh. Not coming to play. Sheesh. <laughs> As a mid thirty not, something, I try to find little pockets that I can justifiably nail a sheesh. Yeah. There, so thank you. And I don't even know if we used it in the right context. We're learning, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like that is yeah a little bit embarrassing because it's not like the Pan Am Games where we're sending Rob Baker and stuff like that representing. These are really solid players we're missing a few hall of fame level players but at the end of the day it's a solid roster yeah what do you make of it i think throwing a bunch of iso scores i'm repeating what everyone sees but a bunch of iso scores on the same roster uh, is just not a recipe for success i think that what i remember watching the 2008 olympics and really being shocked was like how for example like carmelo fit into being like this offensive dominant player. Whereas like LeBron took a step back on offense. Kobe took a step up on defense. And I think that that's not even a, that's not a dream team type team, but that like the 2018, it's just interesting to watch the superstars that came together embrace different elements of their strengths and weaknesses to play team basketball. And I just, you do not see that with this collection of players. It's just, they all feel like, hey, like here's on my mold and I'm going to stick to it. You're not seeing that adaptiveness. And I don't know if it's, that's just the level of talent and awareness. Is it AAU stuff? Is it who knows? But what we saw with previous Olympic teams that succeeded, you saw some guys that you wouldn't have expected to take a step forward or back really shine. And I think that's the piece that you need to win in the Olympics.
Yeah, that's definitely the problem. I can't see why they can't figure it out. Because if guys like Kobe and LeBron are willing to take a step back, then I think guys like KD or, or Dame or, or somebody, somebody that makes it other players aren't willing to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably a little coaching. It's probably a little the uh, the personnel on the team for sure. Yeah, it, it's confusing. But I think I saw, was that you who posted a uh, Minus two fifty to still win out, which which seems wild. It seems pretty expensive to yeah to take that bet. But yeah, we'll see. They have to do something. They said they got to do right. something. Yeah, they're gonna get. I think they're gonna they're gonna get beat by one of these teams that just plays great basketball, has a hot night. They have a cold night. This is not seven game series situations either. So you, you have to you know play that kind of March Madness style energy, which these guys are not used to. Um, to playing right. in every game, all game, and these kind of smart crappier teams. But you know, maybe it is Kobe as an example. I imagine the locker room when Kobe was on those Olympic teams being very different than the locker room that is in there today. I just, as competitive as he was, he probably, as soon as that hit in the locker room, he probably was like, all right, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And he just took over regardless of the situation. And I wonder if watching Bam and Katie interact in their photo shoots, just like, just there's a lot of softness and not a strong leader that you would hope to see to rally those personalities. And I don't think pop is, is that guy either. So. Yeah. Yeah. We got to figure this out. Um, <laughs> let me see. Can't be losing to France. Sorry if you're French, but yeah, but let's see. All right. Moving on. Let's give a couple, let's give a couple shout outs. I think the community this week has been one of the more active weeks that we've had in the past, which is fantastic to see who's on, who's on your list of people that, that really stood out and have been kicking ass. Yeah. I just wanted to give a couple shout outs. One is to the glad robot. He's been doing a bunch of awesome work on exploring what legal looks like for us. And it's just a really difficult nebulous problem. And I'm just thrilled with him sort of thinking and putting out proposals and, and networking with people to ask questions to better understand what our legal paths are. And I think the thing that I'm most appreciative from him is he's really flipped my mentality of thinking like, we'll figure out legal later. It's like a, a hairy problem that we'll kick in the kick the can. And once we hit scale, we'll solve. And I kind of like his reframing, which is like, we solve that now it actually becomes a feature and it becomes a highlight in the pitch. And so I kind of think that's a really healthy flip of perspective that I'm just super excited that He's tackling. And one thing, if anyone's listening, there's anyone in the kind of the legal space, specifically, ideally the Web3 crypto space, we would love to have someone on the podcast and just have Glad Robot come on as well. And us just ideate and talk about the, the legal space of DAOs and specifically our vision. And if there's anyone interested that's willing to get up with us about thinking about this, we'd love to have you on. So if anyone's listening with a legal background that just wants to, again, we'll put a big disclaimer at the beginning, no legal advice. Like I, we just want to have a fun, open conversation about what this could even look like with someone who has a little bit better legal acumen than our existing team. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that as a feature, legal as a feature. I had a similar experience. I belonged to a group that was started by Ben Jacobs over at Seed Club. And I was talking to them a little bit about Kraus House. And one of their members, I believe his name is Carl, he brought up that up too and was making some really strong points for that. And you and me both were like, yeah, we'll figure it out. But it's one of those things where it's nuanced, it's difficult, it's probably a long, rough terrain to actually figuring out that problem. So being able to get ahead of that and actually at least make some ground and turning that into a feature, as you said, is actually really strong. And that I think, I, and I love that strategy because, especially because I flipped on that, I thought it, it, uh, I thought it could totally be deferred. 
but it's definitely something that if we can figure out now, I think it's really advantageous to us to boast and wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah, big shout out to, to Glad Robot making making headwind on that. Another person that's been dabbling in there is John Silk, Jay Silky. He's been, I've seen him chip in on some onboarding stuff, wants to get involved in legal ops, maybe a little growth. I just see him, I see him everywhere. So since joining, he's really added some nice thoughts to all these problems that we're figuring out. I feel like so a little all over the contributing in multiple different ways. I'm going to, we'll throw out maybe the John Starks award. Does that, does that land a little bit? I like that. He's, yeah, he's, he could shoot, he'll dunk on you play tough defense might get you a T or two yep, talk um, a little shit. yeah 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 I like that <laughs> that's a nice all-around award to give can't be mad at that let's see and 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 bass and Eli around onboarding dude really like really strong contributions there Eli's fairly new I think he joined maybe I want to say roughly a week ago but I had a chance to chat with him in DMs and figure out how he wants to get involved and he jumped right in I think we have a call next week on Wednesday to really iron out some more onboarding and possibly even get some soft consensus on next steps but yeah both Bass and, and Eli really strong coming yeah. out this week yeah, it might be boss. I don't know. I'm the, I, you know that I am the worst at pronouncing names. So um, it's a B A S though. So whatever you, however you want us to now pronounce it, it's something between bass and boss. Uh, but it's just really incredible because I, they're taking a step back around crypto more broadly is I think this idea of having a podcast or anywhere that we can talk about the problems and opportunities that we broadly see in the organization. And then allowing anyone to listen to the podcast and say, hey, that sounds interesting to me too. Like, I think I can either be helpful or I'm, in, I'm excited about working on that. Let me just roll up my sleeves. It was really cool because we had really two conversations going on. We did the podcast. I think they both listened to the episode in different ways. Either they either spoke to us, but there's some sort of talking to us plus listening to the podcast. And they both were tackling this thing a little bit independently. And now they're working together on that. And now we're starting to make really awesome progress on a very important problem for Krauss and all DAOs for that matter. And so just a really cool experience. Flex and I are going to continue to try to articulate this kind of broader view that we're seeing kind of in our unique positions at Krauss House or just seeing and hearing just about everything everywhere to try how do we synthesize that brought back out into the podcast and highlight the problems that people that we have and allow people to just emerge and want to tackle those and the piece that i do want to reiterate on that is we don't think about it as like here's all the problems and these are the only problems you can go solve if you see your own problems and you think there's solutions by all means go for it but we're going to continue to try to bring problems to the broader audience to just say hey if you think you're motivated to go tackle this let's fucking do it kudos to you guys for working on onboarding yeah, and, and real quick on that too, I think that's, if I have a, a Tao of the Dow moment there, I think what's really strong about this is that none of this was really top down. I think last last episode, as you mentioned, we brought this kind of high level framework and, and some, some constraints and maybe some ideas that we've been seeing what other DAOs are doing and how we might apply them to the Krause house. And those weren't hard and fast rules. There was merely suggestions and trying to figure out ways to push the boundary forward and actually get the combine out into the wild. And we had members from the community step up and remix that strategy, join with people that they don't even know. And in just a short week or so, we have some major progress and some really awesome ideas that we want to put in motion. That was one of the first uh, things I've seen where we're really leaning on the, the broader community and they actually were able to take that put their own twist on it. And I think the output was probably stronger than even the direction that, that we were originally heading, which is yeah. fantastic to see, which is why we're doing this. Yeah. So that was great. Speaking of, of 
projects and organizations around them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but on I think the ops call, you guys were kicking around ideas around dividing scope of work and in different projects into seasons. Would you mind going into that a little bit and, and what that would look like? Yeah, so high level, and this is another uh, area that uh, Jay Silk has, has been helpful around, is putting together, formalizing seasons. I, I think that the shared tenants that we're thinking around is there's probably six seasons. So every two months, there's probably a season. They're going to mirror the MBA in some fun way. There'll probably be a bit of an off season. There'll probably be some connection back to the regular season. And so we'll try to find a fun way to name them and structure them. But there'll be these seasons that are really these broader cycles of two-month cycles for us to make progress against uh, our objectives and see what we can do with them. So I think the first one, coincidentally, will be around August 1st that we'll probably want the first one to start. I don't know if we'll officially do the full session. I think that we need to do probably a full podcast, probably a full community member thing. Like We need to do a bunch of work to organize what that kickoff for that cycle looks like. But I think it'll be in early August with the kind of spiritual start date of August 1st. And uh, we'll try out seasons. And I think the second part of seasons that is super interesting is that it's not just about getting work done in these cycles of two months. It's about us experimenting and feeling comfortable and empowered to iterate on what we like about governance, what we like about compensation, whatever it may be. How do we create bounds for us to run multiple experiments about what we like about the organization broadly as well? So that's the kind of high level around the seasons. Yeah, I love that. It, it creates this nice break in in work. It puts them together some lines in the sand as far as deadlines. It gets a chance to maybe onboard a bulk of new contributors coming into the next season. And I love drawing the NBA parallels because I think there's kind of meta strategies going on there too. Like everybody in the off, off season, right? It's like heads down, front office, back to work. Let's do some ideating. Let's figure this thing, these things out. And then I could see as us moving into the regular season, it comes more about growing, like the fun stuff, growing the community, launching some of these major projects, having watch parties. I, I see the parallels there. I see the parallels there. Sorry. And, and it's, yeah, it sounds exciting. I completely agree. And that seems to be a common uh, theme that's running through the Dow community right now. And I can't think of a better term for it than seasons as it's directly applicable to, to the NBA. Yeah, that's great. I guess moreover, like, what did you have? Are there some things that that we're queuing up for season one? I know we're internally spinning around a, a little mini product squad. We really want to get this website launched, and um, we have Rob, who's going to be the, the the team lead on that. Excellent product guy. I'll be dipping in and out, but we have a few awesome. I onboarded a few awesome web developers that have some Web three experience as well who said that they'd be happy to contribute some copywriting. So it's, it's moving along. So I'm really excited to, to kick that project off in, in season. But what are some other things that, that you're thinking about in far as, as far as projects for season one? Yeah, the main ones are really around getting, we want to get our first post on Mirror around what the vision is and really just making sure that we have the manifesto, which is a good document for people who are interested in Krausehaus, but we want to put together like this kind of vision statement, a little bit more external focus of who are we, what are we doing, why are we doing this? You know, if we got a profile in the Wall Street Journal, what, what would that look like? And so put that document out there on Mirror, start using Mirror a little bit more aggressively and start you know, using that platform to do unique web three native things. 
that's one area. And then I think really nailing this onboarding through seasons is the other part that's really important. We just need, need the right infrastructure to start gardening through the DAO. And I think we have so many different things that we want to go do. We did the values that we posted, I think, in the last episode, mm-hmm. or at least we posted in the Discord. But we want to start getting the foundation so that people really feel empowered. It's like, if you understand what our goals are and you understand the values that we operate on, let's go fucking do a bunch of cool shit. We really, we want this to be a collection of people doing cool things. It's not necessarily that we have to do every single thing is perfectly efficient for us to buy an NBA team. That's the old school way of thinking about it. There's some space to have some freedom in here. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like formal kickoff. Yeah. I feel like we're, we have that such a rush getting that, that mirror invite and, and winning the right race. And so I think that's a very strong post to kick things off and say, Hey, here's our values. Here's why you would want to join, get in now. And so I, yeah, I love that. I love that. Total, let's get that out. The website for sure. We have values in a, in a manifesto, but I think that could be bolstered up by some official announcement and what better way to do that than on mirror. Love it. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Hopefully Team USA delivers a gold. I'm not feeling optimistic about it. I'm definitely pulling for Luca in the squad as well as a kind of a fun second. But other than that, Bucks and Six, we fucking did it. Thanks everyone for listening. Later guys.